Welcome back, all you Coney fans. We are here in March. The Bengals season is over. The 2021 season was a whirlwind of back and forth of the over-under win total for the Bengals before the season started at 6.5, which they obliterated in going through the playoffs to the Super Bowl. We're hanging in with the Rams the entire way until the very end. Lucas, we're not going to talk about this game for the next half an hour, but do you want to give a little bit of your thoughts? I mean, it was an incredible game, and it's just such a damn shame that, you know, three of the top 15 Super Bowls of all time in terms of quality and, and drama. Yeah, I think You could so make too. an argument are the three Super Bowls that the Bengals are included in. And it just sucks to be on the wrong side of that three times. You know, but then you think about franchises like the Bills and and you just you gain a lot of perspective. And and we've that's what we've had the opportunity to do over the last two weeks. It was a great game. Um I I only got the, there's a 41 minute mic'd up out. I, I only got eleven minutes through. Cause I then I saw that one ending clip on Twitter where Joe checked the iPad. He's like, I had the go route, didn't I? Oh. And it's like, oh that's heartbreaking. It's like he did. And listen, when you get that close to something, it's it's supposed to hurt. And, and it's supposed to hurt all the players. But it's about how you process that hurt. Right? Joe Burrow tearing his ACL, that was an awful day. That was supposed to be awful. But I came out, you know, three, four days later, and I promised this was the attitude of Joe Burrow and everybody around him, and was like, okay, this can become one of the best things that's happened if we respond to it correctly. And, and and I've said that that was the difference between Carson Palmer and Joe Burrow. Not necessarily like borderline talent, you know, number one pick Heisman Trophy. Right. National, like you, you got the whole picture there. But the way Carson responded to his knee injury and the way the organization responded to that knee injury is different from how Joe and this Bengals team responded to it. And I think that's going to be indicative to how they respond to failures like this you know, a Super Bowl loss like this. They weren't gearing up for a one-year run. Joe wasn't like, we need this one. Joe Burrow has been known to say around the organization, or it's been said around the organization, that he has championships on his mind. Mm -hmm. So I, I just don't think they're going to let three points separate them from their inevitable growth. That always happens in the Joe Burrow culture. And we, we haven't seen the Joe Burrow effect really get to take true hold. That's why I've always said, Matt, it was about 2022. I think I said that when we drafted him, that it was about 2022. Yeah, give, in him, terms give of, him a year or two. You don't know how he's going to do coming back. I mean, comeback player of the year. Obviously, we knew that was going, I mean, at runner-up for MVP. But the, the Rams were all in on this year. They, they have, yeah. what, one draft pick or something coming up? Like, they, they were Super Bowl or bust. For this season and the Bengals were so far in in the underdog mentality for everyone else but somehow when they were able to string some of those wins together I mean it was almost like the Jets loss if you remember Zach Taylor was like you know what we lost to the Jets we're going to the bye you are going to see a very different team coming out of the bye and that is where this momentum changed where it became this why not us and then winning the first playoff game and then it is us and to be 
to to run with the Rams as long as they did, like showing that they they belonged there. I I the only play that I have watched over and over again is that Joe Mixon touchdown pass because I think in the moment I didn't appreciate how absurd that play was because how often does a running back throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl well every time it's happened that team's won when that happened Matt like I really was I was convinced that we were going to win I mean convinced and I lived in that universe for such a long time when Joe, like when he threw that touch, I went, "Oh, if that's working, if we're winning, yeah. like if if we're trying that, and then he, it's it's perfect." The, if the there is a perfect. God who I am not religious, but man, if there is one, I talk to him every time there there was a commercial break. I didn't watch a single commercial because I just go to the bathroom, and I'd sit there and I go, "This is the most stressful thing that I've ever been through in my life." <laughs> I mean, this is just bananas. I I could not imagine it being like this. Um, and I was talking to a Lions fan. Um, he's one of my clients, uh, you know, and I was talking to him and I said, Hey, he was like, what was that like? You know, was it just fun to be there? I said, no, it is the most stressful game you'll ever watch in your life. It's not fun. Like I I bet if you win, it's really fun. It's not the game being there and going through the AFC championship and winning it in the two weeks of celebration and hype and all of that stuff. That's the reward for getting there. But the game itself, the game itself is like, it, it is the most, it, it's a, you know, you're going to remember it forever. It's etched in history. And so, you know, that's kind of the sticking point for me of you can never get it back. And I will, I will look back at that game with, ah, damn, even if they win six Super Bowls, Matt, like, I swear to God, we could win 10 and I would be like, God damn. That, that Rams game, Jamar Chase was wide open. Wide like open. that's that's how, but that's how it should be. That's what championships are like. And I I don't want the Bengals as an organization or you know sports talk itself. The Bills are getting more credit for being a favorite to advance in the AFC because they lost in the divisional round. We have this bias against teams that make it to a championship and lose in sports and then people will point to history and and really the history isn't that far off compared to actual playoff teams that make it and go to the divisional round we just don't look at that as much the team that loses a big game always has a lot of pressure on them right and they're always watched closely so we notice the big failures but we don't talk about the successes we don't talk about the teams that get to the afc championship the next year or do this the next year and i you should never be a, a slave to history right? Whatever is about to happen, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Like the Bengals could literally win the next three Super Bowls. That's never happened in NFL history that a Super Bowl loser comes out that's never won a Super Bowl and then wins the next year. But you cannot be deterministic about this. Anything can happen. Yeah. But at the same time, Matt, I did look back through history um, because I have a weird theory. So I took a look, and the year was 1991. So this past season was 2021, which is interesting that the beginning of the decade lines up for each. And there was a franchise called the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. And they had a number one overall pick named Troy Aikman. He was in his third season. Joe Burrow was in his second season. But they were the same age, 25 years old. And Troy Aikman was 25 years old in 1991. Joe Burrow was 25. 
They were two years removed, the Cowboys were, from a 1-15 season. The Bengals were two years removed from a 2-14 season. The Cowboys in 1990 went seven wins. I think the Bengals would have been a seven-win team with Joe Burrow. I think we all agree with that if he would have finished if the If he year. would have finished out the season. Yeah. yeah, but then you don't get Jamar Chase. That's the difference from the Cowboys is they had Michael Irvin in-house, right? They didn't need a catastrophic injury to add this, and maybe that's just the fortune of the Bengals, that to get this type of player, this trio, this quad, you know, quadruplet, five-tuplet, you've never seen it, this much offensive weaponry on one team, you had to pay the most severe price. Um, that If the football gods, if you believe in that, that's kind of the cruel theory there. But in 1991, Matt, that, that Dallas Cowboys team was 17th in points allowed per game and 7th in points scored per game. Hmm. That is the exact same as the Cincinnati Bengals in 2021. It is identical. 17th and 7th. With a 25-year-old... Yep, 25-year-old number one overall pick quarterback. So all those similarities, the 1991 Cowboys lost to the Detroit Lions in the divisional round hmm. in a blowout, 38-6. to That's the last time the Lions have ever won a playoff game. Yeah, they are now holding that record. Since yeah, the won that we don't have to talk about anymore, which I really, really love. I'm so glad we're talking about Super Bowls instead. I, I mean, yeah, 31 yeah. years ago, this is what was the number one song, and phones looked like this, and everyone walked around with a TI-89 calculator. We'd be so hyping that if they would have just lost to Tennessee. We'd be like, what a season! Ended the streak! Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but that's the price you pay for chasing championships. And... Matt, the, the, after 1991, the Dallas Cowboys won the next two Super Bowls. In the next season, the Cowboys started 8-1 and one in 1992 after they had a chance to build on the roster. 8-1, and one, the defense jumped up to fifth, the offense jumped up to second, and they were off and running, and it's one of the greatest two-year stretches we've ever seen from a football team. And Joe Burrow has a better statistical profile than Troy Aikman does. The Bengals actually have younger and more well-rounded weapons than that Cowboys team did. Now, is Zach Taylor Jimmy Johnson? That's the question here. And 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 I can't ever say yes, 1,000%. He's Jimmy Johnson. But I think that Joe Burrow culture has proved that I don't think it really matters. I think Joe Burrow's kind of transcending this. It's it's There is a chance for this to get uniquely, unbelievably crazy, never seen it before special. And I don't think the, I don't think Vegas, I don't think the media comprehends I don't think Cincinnati fans comprehend what the Bengals can accomplish if you do what needs to be done this offseason Matt I mean and I mean I, I think we we touched on it a little bit like we were we we created the barometer and we what had him at maybe a nine at one point in the season and now he's been at a 13 out of 10 or 20 out of 10 we we have been yelling that Joe Burrow is the change. And now with this playoff win, with going to the Super Bowl and getting that close in a year where no one expected the Bengals to even be second in in the AFC North is it th there are people that look at this as an absolute win of a season. Obviously, you get to the Super Bowl and you want to win. You want to take it all. So close to giving Cincinnati their first Super Bowl win. But that is just the beginning. 
if the Bengals can improve on that, I mean, I, I, I yeah, think they're, you're they're, absolutely right. They were three right. points away. This is the thing, is that if they're holding that Lombardi trophy, so they're three points away, you know, whatever. I know it's etched in history, but they're three damn points away. You're talking. <laughs> you're still going to have nightmares about this You're game. talking. Everybody's talking dynasty. So I, I just beg this of the Bengals players and the organization and everybody. Don't let three points define you. Like, don't let that happen. That's not what it's about. Because yeah. you're three points away from flipping around going, fellas, we can win three freaking straight. So, like, just keep attacking it. Like, do what the Seahawks did in reverse. Make it back-to-back, -back, lose first, win. I mean, it's been done before, just not in recent history outside of the Patriots because they've been, they've been dominant. But... I think the Bengals are going to are in position to have the best roster in the NFL this year, Matt. Yeah, and they can be the new dynasty of the NFL. I mean, we had we had Chiefs fans, Ravens fans. I know you've been fucking with them a little bit, just having a little bit of fun. Yeah. But I mean, they are they haven't seen the Bengals like this potentially in their lifetime. And so for for some of these other teams that are now getting this shock of, oh, shit, the Bengals can win games. They can get to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is the truth. If we can build on that, so what What? What do the Bengals have to do to improve on this, this roster, on this team, on learning from the mistakes of this past season? What do they have to do in 2022 to get back to the Super Bowl and win it? Well, I, you know, offensive line is what everybody's talking about. Well, yeah, um, 100%. Which, everybody knows that. If you can get this offensive line to the, just a top 20 unit, you put yourself at a 13-4 and four floor. With with the depth and youth on the defensive and offensive side, um, where if they just have a normal, even Bengals offseason, right, and they just flip every other position the way they normally flip it, the way mm -hmm. they've done throughout history, and those of that have watched this team year by year know that they are not a completely incompetent organization. They built top five defenses not even six years ago. So, like, th this idea that they're going to mess up the defense, I, I think that they figured it out now, and with those young linebackers, they have a nice core, and DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson, there's such a good core there. I really think another year with Lou, I think the defense is, is prone to take a jump. They did not have turnover luck in the regular season. I know it yeah. came in the playoffs when they really needed it, but look, they became a top five defense with that turnover luck in the postseason. So if they have marginal improvement and you give them a little bit of turnover luck in the regular season that maybe they have now because of the confidence of making a Super Bowl run, I mean, defense can be taught like that. The defense can take a massive leap. So I, I trust the Bengals there outside of what they normally do. But to me, if they want to reach dynasty if they want to get to what I think should be a 15 and two season with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase entering his um with Joe Burrow entering his third season he's going to have a complete clean bill of health which he mm -hmm. did not have at any point this season maybe like two games and that was the games where they have a 31-3 lead against Pittsburgh at halftime right that's when you're yeah. like oh Joe Burrow's fully healthy now before he before he that was right before he sprained his MCL when the Bengals had Riley Reef, the rest of the line wasn't that great either then, but Riley Reef and Joe Burrow without spraining that MCL, which he did against the Chargers in the next game, they literally were up 31-3 to on a playoff team. 
31 to three at halftime. Like that was what happened when it all clicked and it didn't even click to the level that it could now click after they made a Super Bowl run. Yeah. I mean, I don't want this to, I don't want to seem hyperbolic, but I came in, what was my prediction this year, Matt? Nine and eight, right? Mm-hmm. Nine and eight. If they just do the basic right things, it doesn't even have to be extreme over the top, fix the offensive line, but put us in a position where, hey, this offensive line is probably going to be top 20. And at most, if guys develop, it gets in the top 15, top 10. This team can win. This team will beat a lot of teams by a lot of points. There will be games where they score on every single drive. They will score on every drive in this league. And because the style of play the Bengals have, there is not a game plan for it. They were very adaptable. They can run it down your throat. If they can get Joe Mixon to 4.8 yards per carry, it is unstoppable. It is unstoppable. And we're not even talking about a defense that could ascend into a top 10 unit. So this is what we should be preparing for in Cincinnati. This is what the standard is. This is what the expectation is. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to believe that. It's okay to push it out because that's what we would be saying if the score were flipped and it were 23-20 Cincinnati with the Lombardi Trophy, you know, coming to Paul Brown Stadium for the very first time. That's That's what we would be saying. That's coming soon. I can feel it. Yeah, we, I, we have I, we have exercised all of the demons but one. So that is that is coming. I mean, multiple multiple championships coming through Joe Burrow, I believe. Um, there are three other things I want to touch on before we get to your rant. Um, Jesse Bates, how do you feel about? I mean, he was not up to what we have expected out of him, especially from the previous season throughout the regular season. But then he turned it on in the playoffs um, rumor right now that he is going to be franchise tagged. What should the Bengals do with Jesse Bates? I mean, obviously he needs to be around for 2022 franchise tag is the least desirable option. I think this is a real opportunity. Now, if they pay offensive linemen, it's mute. They can franchise tag Jesse Bates. If they franchise tag Jesse Bates and then push the cap on linemen and go, we couldn't pay Jesse and get, you get Ryan right. Jensen. Like, you know, then, you know, they can do whatever they want. Right. That's the thing is if they fix the offensive line in a genuine way in free agency, they can do whatever they want with Jesse Bates. But if you can't not fix the offensive line and not pay Jesse Bates, because then Joe Burrow is going to look around and Jamar Chase is going to look around. T. Higgins is going to look around like these guys understand how special they are and the Bengals need to match that. And I have a full expectation that they are ready to match that. Yeah, we, we um, are in that window. We cannot be going back to the old ways of the Bengals and, and squandering. No, but I think there's some, there's some old ways that work and should stay and are necessary to run a functional, repeating, consistently successful organization. And Joe Burrow raises the floor of what that can be. Um, and, and, but paying free agents in a smart way has worked for this organization, even with Trey Wayne's failing. Absolutely failing. He's the yeah. highest paid free agent. It still worked. You still were able to field a competent secondary and get playmakers and, and add guys that are 26, 27. I mean, I think that that's, they, they are going to navigate free agency the way they always do it, but with an understanding that these guys are going to come in, not just seeking a paycheck. They know what's at stake and what's happening in the building. 
Before, when the Bengals paid free agents, they couldn't guarantee that guy wasn't just like, hey, I, I got $4 million extra dollars out of the Bengals. I'm just going to chill in Cincinnati, <laughs> you know, and just kick up my feet. It's an organization that's not winning a Super Bowl. I'm happy going 8-8. Eight and eight. You never knew if that was the attitude. But you know every free agent that's coming to Cincinnati understands that when they're walking in that building, this kid means business. Yeah, and now you have that mentality where who wouldn't want to block for Joe Burrow? Who wouldn't want to be there? I mean, helping to make sure that the that the Bengals can continue on and potentially go back to the Super Bowl. I mean, do, are are they going to look for offensive line in free agency, and then what are they going to do with the draft? I think I think the you should have your team that you're comfortable with fielding and believe can win a Super Bowl next year. That team better be on your roster come time of the draft. Yeah. All these guys that are going to be drafted, we should be thinking, man, if they pop, wow, that would be great. But none of these guys, like the way Jackson Carmen was. I mean, it ended up costing you a Super Bowl. We just yeah. didn't know it. Thought it might cost us a playoff spot. But, like, you know, that's a much different... My yelling about Kevin Zeitler... When they started winning again, it looked kind of crazy. But then when you realize that it cost you a damn Super Bowl, you know, that's that's what like that's what these offseason moves can mean. Um and and they cannot be relying on the thirty first pick of the draft to come in and be a day one starter on a yeah. Super Bowl champion. Yeah, Not I mean that's draft. that's something they now have to think about because drafting this low, they cannot expect that that, that first round player is gonna come in and and yeah, you start need him, and make that big of a difference game one. You need to be looking at every player on your team and go, are they a starter on a Super Bowl champion? Are they? Are they a starter on a Super Bowl champion? Are they good enough to do that? Yep. Like genuinely. And and don't just look at well, they were there last year. No, look at it look at it again. You know, and and I, I think there's gonna be some interesting turnover on the defense in the secondary um that we're not quite ready for. Um yep. I think that there's going to be opportunities to be aggressive in free agency in different ways than people expect. Um, I think the Stefan Gilmore rumors are a little more real than people want to give credit for. Hmm. Although that's not a normal Bengals move. Again, he's on the wrong side of 30. So I I don't know what they're going to do. I know that they were more aggressive last offseason than everybody gave them credit for. There was a lot more stuff going on um, in terms of them pushing for key free agents. It just never worked out with the money, and it was completely wrong, and free agents were looking at it as a risky bet. Now it's not a bet. Now you're coming to win a ship. Yep. Now you're coming Now you're coming to be a part of something really, really, really special. And if, if Mike Brown can just announce that they've got the shovel in the ground for the indoor practice facility, my God. <laughs> my God, how much that would help. Like, just I mean, lie. It, it, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Is, isn't it time now? Yeah. Like, be what, like, what else are we waiting for? Yeah, I think just bam, put it in the ground, you know, name it whatever. I just let's let's get it done. I, I don't care where it's at. Just say you have one. Yeah. You don't they're barely gonna use it. Like it's just gonna be a nice place for guys. Like that's the just having that amenity itself just brings you up to par with the other northern teams in the climate. Yeah. And it's just it's a little more professional and it's a better look when you're recruiting free agents. Um and it makes it a little bit easier of a pitch. But it doesn't really, 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 really matter for 2022 with how good this team can be. That's kind of a future conversation. All right, final thing about the Bengals. For Money McPherson, 
to go and watch the halftime show and be like all of us. That was probably my favorite Super Bowl halftime show that I've ever seen. Prince was up there too, but I mean, you you had it, it was it was incredible. I, I was I was up and I was dancing and I was singing, and then it it panned to to uh, Evan McPherson over there just having the time of his life. But now we have news that uh, that that was a little bit of a sore spot. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Oh, nobody's talking about it if you win the game. I mean, it's just one of those things, whatever. Evan's a, Evan's a young kid. He should have known not to get caught by the cameras. There's no, no problem with him staying out. He often stays out for halftime. He's the kicker. There's nothing in the locker room that Evan McPherson could have helped with. Okay. Like I, you know, also one of the arguably best kickers in Bengals history it, I don't. I don't think that him being in the locker room rather than being out there and watching the halftime show is going to change any of the potential kicks that he would have had to make. That's not taking his mind out of it. Um, I, I, I don't see an issue with it, but I'm not that. I'm not that old school, you know, perception. Well, mentality. I, I kind of, but I, I don't see an issue with it. But at the same time, it's a great little coaching strategy because Darren Simmons needed to find a way to motivate Evan McPherson in this offseason. He needed to because Evan was too good this year. But, you know, Darren, I mean, more than that, Darren's quotes on the sore subject then went into him kind of drilling Evan for his performance on kickoffs, um, you know, saying, then complimenting, saying he's such a talented leg. We need to get him to a place where he's better there. He needs to be a better practice kicker. He needs to be a better, he's challenging Evan McPherson. You know, he's challenging the type of player he is. And I love that strategy from the coaching staff. You got to challenge these guys. Hey, Joe Mixon, don't you think you're one of the greatest running backs ever? If you think that, you got to prove it. I mean, we we don't have a ring. We can't sit here and say it unless we got a ring. Like, it, there's a challenge that needs to be put out to every single player, and I hope that's the message from Joe Burrow. Like, hey guys, last year we had a reason to come to OTAs because we were four wins, but like, I challenge you to do it again. I challenge yeah, you, everybody, keep, keep to come that out same again. Same mentality, that same teamsmanship. And know that if you are able to continue on that it is us mentality with everyone that is that is kind of you know fighting above their bar and making everyone better, which we already went into, Joe Burrow just brings that out of people. If they can continue that on, I mean then I think some of these players will will continue the the performances that they had this past season. Yeah, and I think the team has taken the mindset of their leader, which is Joe Burrow. And it's so great that the the very clear evident by every person in their leader in the locker room is Joe Burrow. And they have surrounded the other leaders on the team with guys that are a lot like Joe Burrow. Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, right? Jamar Chase. Yep. Now, Jamar got it from Joe at LSU, but he came in with that Joe Burrow, like, that thing about him. It's infectious. I mean, Matt, I don't know, like, you, you play pickleball. Mm-hmm. I've changed the way I play pickleball after watching Joe Burrow play quarterback. I'm calmer, right? I try not to be up and down with with the emotions of the point. Mm-hmm. I try to have a little more uh, fun. Like, you know, watching him play that position, that command, it's infectious. It changes the way you want to approach what you do. Um, yeah, I and- mean, I, I, I love it. I play pickleball, volleyball, basketball, um, softball sometimes and i mean i have i I have a similar mentality 
to to Joe Burrow where it's kind of that even if you're down, like even if you made a few mistakes and you're, you know, you're down seven points in volleyball, but you just got the serve. Like now is the time where all of that, all of that practicing or all of that confidence in your own abilities gets to be put on display. It like it, it doesn't really matter when you're already like accidentally up 12 points or you know it's a blowout like those are not the moments when you need to be clutch or where it matters where there is this higher tier you know competitor on the field that is when you need to take over the game where it looks like it's starting to get out of hand and then you are bringing your entire team back and I I love that about Joe Burrow where it's it's that same you know, where we are never out of it. The game is not over. And, yeah, and like, it's it's and it's a lot more Michael Jordan than people want to give it credit oh, for. Oh yeah. Um, I'm telling you, this guy's a grudge holder. Massively. Uh, I, I, seriously, like uh, obsessively a grudge holder. Um, this guy is gonna start inventing enemies, right? Cause and and the thing about it though is he's got and, and Michael Jordan had it too. And we saw how much the death of his father affected him. Like the mm-hmm. that family around him, right? That backbone to be able to lash out the way he does. Um, and I, I don't think Joe is ever going to be as abrasive as Michael Jordan is. But he, he that's him, man. He is a killer. Like there is this is just like soft Macaulay Culkin wearing SpongeBob shirt. That's a it's it's not a character. That's really Joe. But like this guy. In between the lines, or you're playing ping pong or chess with them. I mean, seriously, any story you read, it's like this guy is a killer, like an assassin level. Like I am desperate to win, and you yeah. know that that's that's what you need, and it's a special thing. And he's ascending forever and ever and ever and ever, and he's making the Reds organization look pretty idiotic, in my opinion. Oh um, yeah, well, it, it's not even a conversation anymore. It used to be all Mike Brown this, the Bengals this. And with everything that is happening with MLB right now, I mean, we are we are coming out of a two-year, potentially coming out of a two-year pandemic where it, it we have not had a normal baseball season for two years, and we're not going to get it again because of everything that is happening with Rob Manfred and MLB and, I and mean, Bob this, Castellini. This is, and Bob, Bob Castellini. This is your rant, Dragon. Mm-hmm. Well, this all started for me with the Castellini family, with with Phil Castellini giving a speech at a radio junction that I was attending because the radio station I worked for was a Reds affiliate. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those affiliate luncheons. Um, I don't know if we were, whatever, I'm just going to say it. But I asked the question, hey, do you feel a pressure as the Reds organization to be the team that breaks the playoff curse? Because for fans my age, and a little bit older, like five, 10 years older, that curse is what defines our entire sports fandom. Do you oh, feel yeah. like there's a real value in, in, in breaking that curse or whatever? Phil Castellini pointed over at Paul Brown Stadium, which was in view at the windows behind him. And he says, well, I don't know what they're doing over there. And it drew a whole big laugh from the room. A ha, 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 shuck it up, ba, ba, ba. And then he went on to blame the salary cap and how they had this huge free agency plan, yada, yada, yada. And... Maybe it's the pandemic to blame, but what we've seen since then has been absolutely, utterly abysmal. And the fact that Castellini is holding back these negotiations in, in any way, it just, 
the way that they've operated the organization after the, the, the last two or three years from top to bottom. And you can talk about, well, you know, there's good. And, and Reds writers will defend them from here till tomorrow till the end of time. And a lot of older Reds fans that got to watch the 70s, you're going to defend them till the end of time. But listen, I, I'm getting, I'm married. Like, this is, this is a real thing that's coming up for me, right? And the Reds have never advanced in a playoff series in my lifetime. The mm -hmm. Reds have had no intention of being aggressive when it seems like they have a roster that's ready to contend. The yeah. Reds have been a consistent loser and are now out or way under. In my life, the Reds' success compared to the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals lap the Reds. Lap them. And to me, if you don't want to compete, Castellini, if you don't have the means to compete, if the pandemic hurts you that bad, then sell the team to somebody that can. And the, the nature of baseball, my friend Max always says this, says that the nature of baseball, unfortunately, rewards guys for trying to lose. Because if they can bring payroll down, if they can bring costs down, they'll make enough at the gate and they'll make more money by trying to lose than by trying to build a roster to win. They'll make more money. And I don't care if we're blaming whoever's incentive structure or what, but Bob Castellini is th who the Reds fans should be putting the target on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, I mean, you have you have Cincinnati, who has all. I mean, they have been this baseball town because of the big red machine, and with the Bengals never winning a Super Bowl, it was looking back at the Reds' success back then and going, "Oh, those were good years. Those were the best sports years." For Cincinnati but we are now decades removed from that and you're right the Bengals are lapping them and the, if the Reds if Bob Castellini is trying to lose if he doesn't care and he's just banking on the fact that Cincinnatians are going to be still super excited about opening day which is now not even happening with the two first series being canceled but i mean there's there's no opening day parade there's not all of the opening day festivities like i think that the tide is turning and even some of these fans that were all gung-ho reds 100 percent are now realizing that if well here's what the Bengals are doing here's what another team that actually wants to win a little bit a little more than the reds and then the castellinis and this is not going to help the Reds. They, they, he no. has to do something to show that he cares about winning, and he has been so much worse than Mike Brown in that aspect. Well, I mean, the Reds, like the fact that the strike's happening is really unfortunate because it brings negative emotions to baseball, where baseball was about to be a lot of Cincinnati fans' nice little retreat. You know, you go watch April. Maybe the Reds are going to win 80 games this year. Maybe they're off to a hot start. They're 16 and 13. You get to remember how much fun Reds games are. And now because of the nature of the strike, which Bob Castellini is helping extend. Yeah. Because of the nature of the strike, there is now a negative emotion towards baseball. So instead, we're going to walk in and we're going to point out all the flaws that the Reds have on their team immediately. You know, and another thing is you're going to push back past the free agent window. You're going to be near the draft when you start this thing. And if the Bengals have a popular free agency and a popular draft and people really like the moves they did, and there's a genuine excitement over what the Bengals can be off a of Super Bowl, there's going to be this like hangover and law with Reds, with the Cincinnati Reds in terms of television engagement, in terms of the gate, if they're just a mediocre team that didn't try. Like, 
Cincinnati fans pay attention. Cincinnati fans know. Cincinnati fans connect the two teams, certainly. Oh, yeah. a, a lot of cities do, but especially Cincinnati fans because of the playoff curse. And now that the playoff curse is broken, if one organization broken and the other organization doesn't seem to be trying, and those things are existing simultaneously, makes it really hard to pay attention. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to continue to add to that disconnect that we're starting to see, where... It was funny to joke when they were both terrible and when they both couldn't win in the postseason, but now that the Bengals are actually showing that they care and they're pulling ahead, the, the Reds are going to look even worse. Yeah, I, and it's going to feel worse, too. Um, and it, You're going to give it less patience, you know, and, and, and that's those are real things, especially in the Cincinnati market, um, and they're in a horrible, horrible position they can't even be the just like, hey, you know, we're we're the fun, pretty good competitive team. And, you know, you know, we're not as good as the Bengals are, but you know, you have good feelings. And look, oh, here's Joe Burrow throwing out the first pitch. Isn't this fun? Hey, look hey. at these uh, throwback jerseys. Oh, they're gonna be so desperate to get they're gonna get man. be so desperate to get Joe Burrow out there and we'll see if he does. Uh like they're just so desperate. And it's just so funny how the organization went from pointing at the window behind them and laughing. To now they are trying everything they can to connect themselves to the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> uh, it, it is is going to be quite an uh, up-and-down journey for those of us that know how elitist the Reds organization has been. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just like a whole... It's not the 1970s, guys. Like, the Big Red Machine died a long time ago. Okay? And you can't, you can't roll off of one magical year in 1990. Yeah, you can't, can't be riding that anymore. There are, there are a great majority of fans that do not remember them, that were not alive during that time. Yeah, and, and, and you just can't, you can't live in that universe as an organization. And I live, I live here in Chicago, and it's like, you know, the White Sox are really fun. Like, I, I could go to the games. Like, why on earth, if the Reds aren't going to try, am I going to invest so much time on MLB.tv um, and for an owner that just wants to make a bunch of money? Like it, it's really, it's really damaging to baseball what's happening and they better yeah. get it figured out and they get better get it figured out really quick. And the Reds better hope they get Gar off to a really hot start. Cause that'll, that'll race things. You know, if they start 10 and three and all the young players look great, you know, we'll all eat our words and it'll be fun. But yeah, but I mean, I mean, baseball in general, like I know people who love baseball, who are baseball fans, their parents, their grandparents were all, you know, big big baseball fans so that's kind of trickled down through the family people that didn't watch baseball or really care about baseball like that as mlb as an organization i feel like they're doing everything they can to lose these potential on the fence fans like i i, I even care more about watching nba like teams i do not even care about i mean march madness is coming up obviously going to be watching all of that but baseball when the reds aren't fun when the reds aren't winning that falls down to fourth fifth under soccer and some of these other sports for me and i feel like that is becoming the norm with a lot of these people that even loved baseball growing up just because i mean if mlb is not going to be putting out the product that that people are going to be caring about if the castellinis are not going to be making the reds something that the city can get behind and root for, then, I mean, sports are supposed to be fun. 
We've yeah, said that before. He, if it's not fun, it's we're not going to but, enjoy it and gravitate towards there's it. There's also a seasonality to sports, right? And, and we have to remember that, is that they have operated in a very cyclical manner, uninterrupted for almost a century. Like, that is really an amazing, amazing, amazing feat. And when you interrupt the cycle, when, when you disrupt the calendar, it changes people's habits. You have to keep people. This is why the NFL is never going to really let go of Sundays. People are like, oh, they'll do Monday through. No, that's waking up Sunday morning, NFL red zone. It's like a religion now. That makes you a lot of money. Oh, if yeah. you, you know, I'm sitting here and I know that Jess and I are going to plan our fall around the Cincinnati Bengals schedule. <laughs> like we know that. We know that. There are marriages that, that you know, happen that sign up knowing that. That for life, a football team mm-hmm. will designate your schedule, right? That their religion and seasonality to that. Baseball has now missed two out of three Aprils if they miss this entire April. April mm-hmm. is baseball's month. You got the end of March Madness, and then you've got beautiful weather across the country. People are reminded of spring. April is when they played baseball as a kid. That's when they played catch with their dad. That's when baseball's on TV. That's when yeah. all 30 teams have hope. That's when you go buy a jersey because you went to a game. April is baseball's month, and I don't think they understand that. Like, the kickoff of baseball, it makes people fall in love and nostalgic. And that's all this league is riding on now. So if you take out two out of three Aprils. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to be missing their best month, that time when, when all of these teams are, when everyone is excited to go to some of these games before their team sucks, I, that, that's, a, that's a massive massive issue yeah it's it's a devastating issue and the first one they blamed on the pandemic so nobody was going to blame them for it this one you can blame them for yeah so there's there's even a villain behind the emotions of missing baseball in april which causes animosity there's so many people i've talked to that gave up on baseball after 1994 and it's going to be the same this time this is going to be damaging for major league baseball for decades and it's going to be damaging to the health of baseball itself in this country for decades. Um, that's how damaging these moves by the owners um, and a little bit by the players, I guess, have have really done to the game. Yeah, um, but mostly the owners. Yeah, but like, guys, why not just hire an arbitrator and sit down and you got 48 hours, dog. Like, you got 48 hours and that arbitrator is going to walk out with a decision. Yeah. And that's how it should be. That's how it should, that's how it should be done. And instead, it's selfishness and greed and they think fans are just going to overlook it and and they won't i mean it's still going to be a multi-billion dollar organization and all that stuff but it's it's not going to be but still you're you're fucking with your your fans emotions right now yeah i mean i got hardcore baseball fans that told me that it bought mlb.tv for like 10 years like i'm not watching a baseball game this year are you mm. kidding me maybe that's just how they feel now but I, there's really bad bad animosity yeah yeah all right well we are over 43 minutes right now. That's a good pod, though. Cut us off. Yeah. I got to eat some Subway, man. I got to get ready for my day. Oh, you got got Subway, like, there ready for you? You're going to go. Go get it. No, it's ready. I got spicy Chipotle coming my way. Ooh, that's good. Mm. I either either get that or the the chicken bacon ranch. Yeah, I like the chicken bacon ranch. I like it, but I never really have it. I had it once. It was like, this is great. And then I always get the Italian. Do you get the same thing every time? I'm a repetitive guy. There you I go. I like I like my habits. I like my corners. I, I believe it. 
I like my, that, that's why I love sports. It's cyclical. It, it is always back at the same time. And that's why when things like this happen, it just, it's like throwing off my circadian rhythm. It's like the sun <laughs> rising at noon. Like what is going on? I need baseball in April. But you know, it is, you know, it is yeah, what it is. It makes sense. It does make sense. All right. Oh, well, we will right, be Matt. back on the 3 a.m. Coney. Ton of fun. And I can't wait. Um, we're going to do uh, draft previews, a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. And and it'll be a, it'll be a good time. We're still a little Super Bowl hungover, I think, though. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Bengals coverage, we're, we're excited to be covering that year round now. It is, it is less of this. It's worth it. Yeah, it, it's less of this. Well, maybe we hope that they, and it's the, okay, they've shown us what they can do. This is what they need to do to keep this going. Yeah. Oh, man, if they just start 8-0, this city's going to catch on fire. Like, it's the greatest team of all time. And I just can't wait for it. Can't wait. All right, till next time. See you.